I'm going to ask Mackenzie and Martins to come on up here and join us for the message. We are so excited to go through this theme, and one of the things I love most about this theme is it's kind of a collaborative thing from a lot of our life group leaders and some of you in CSF who have kept saying the same things over and over again, and when you do that, we end up studying it. So this is going to be great, and we're calling it Set Apart, um, and Looking Like Jesus While Living in the World. We're going to be going through some passages that I have never preached on before, and I, you know, they're those passages in the Bible that most pastors avoid, and we're just going to go through them. So uh, I'm excited. I kind of want to be uh, go to all your life groups to see how the conversations go because it's going to get lively, and I'm excited. It's good for us to discuss difficult passages in the Bible that make us uncomfortable, and this is one of them. It, it doesn't seem like it's going to be, but it is. So let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll jump in. Dear God, thank you so much for your word. Uh, We believe it's CSF that it's living and active, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword, and it cuts us all the way down to the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And we want you to do that tonight, God. We want you to come and cut us so deep to where we can um, find true healing from our sin and our darkness uh, that we've heaped upon ourselves. And uh, we need the blood of your son Jesus to wash Wash all our sin away. So God, please come like you always do and reveal yourself to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So when, uh, if you didn't know this about me, my first job out of college, I did campus ministry in Missouri. Um, Then I moved, my family, well, it was just my wife and I at the time. We were married one year. We moved to Indiana in 2007. I've always dreamed of living in Indiana. It's like... (laughs) I'm a huge basketball fan, so they're like, this was like, I've arrived. Our campus house is across the street from where Oscar Robertson played high school basketball. Come on now. This is like, this is the place. Anyway, so I'm so happy to be here um, in Indiana, but I was working at a church in Pendleton, Indiana. I was the worship leader there, and among other things, for 10 years, and before we had kids, and my wife, Samantha, worked full-time doing, uh, working for a foster care agency. I would just work all the time. I would work all the time at the church. Then I would have rehearsals that went late into the night. Then I have Bible studies that went late into the night. And then youth group that went late into the night. I'd work all week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And then Saturday, the church was closed, so I couldn't go. But I would bring my computer home. And I work at home, and we get stuff done. We go to events and all these things constantly, constantly, constantly. And then my wife got pregnant with our first child. And I thought, I'm never going to be home to see my kid. And my wife was like, I know what you should do. You should take Friday off. I said, no, I'm not. I can't take Friday. What am I going to do with myself? You're at work. And there's tons of stuff to do to get ready. And what would happen was is that every single Sunday, I would hate going to church. I would spend Monday through Friday preparing for Sunday and then get in my car and not want to go. Because I hated being there because I was there so much. I don't know if you've ever done that with something. Um, some of you, the places that you work, you felt that way. Like I am just there. I'm being used in this giant machine uh, that doesn't really like me very much. Doesn't like the songs that I'm doing, or they don't like this, or they don't like this. Want to criticize me? And I've been working all week just to go up and fail. That's kind of how I felt. 
And so when Samantha was pregnant, I thought this is a great opportunity for me to rethink everything about our flow and rhythm of life. And so I started taking Fridays off. I didn't know what to do with myself. The first Friday off I had, I drove to Guitar Center and played guitar for half the day, which was pretty amazing. And then I, I had um, Long John Silvers, which nobody likes. I do. I like it. And I ate it, and I felt relaxed. And what, hap- what ended up happening is that when I worked Sunday through Thursday, like a normal human being, then I started coming into church, and I was looking forward to it. It's the weirdest thing. Because when we step out of our context, and God allows us to see what's really going on, oh, man, it's just like this weight has been lifted off. And that's what this, this whole message is about tonight. It's about rhythm. It's about Sabbath. And I think we are really good at recreation. Amen? I mean, we have a VP of fellowship who is really the VP of fun. He's just awesome. We're so good at having fun. We, we play video games really well. We go to sporting events really well. We do all these things really well to entertain ourselves, to, to, to have recreation. But recreation doesn't always equal rest, does it? You have all this recreation, and afterwards you're like, oh, so I need a nap from all this recreation, all this time off. I'm getting this time off to wear myself out. And where's the real rest? And our time off never seems to help us really recover And then since it doesn't really help us recover, we end up just right back in this giant loop that doesn't end. And I think that that's because recreation doesn't refresh. Not that you shouldn't play video games. Not that you shouldn't go to sporting events. Not that you shouldn't do all these things. Of course you should. We should do these things. We we should have fun. But Sabbath, what we're talking about tonight, is different. It's what truly refreshes our souls. And we have a Amazing passage to share at the very end that's just going to drive that home of that it refreshes our souls. So we don't want to jam our time off with activity, but we need to be thinking about maybe some perspective. So why are we even talking about it? Is it even really possible? We were talking about this in our preparation times. Is it possible? And both of them are a little bit older, which is really fun because we're getting a really good perspective here. But like, Is it even possible for a college student to observe Sabbath today in the United States at IUPUI in downtown Indianapolis? Is it even possible? Isn't this the thing like tithing, like I'll tithe once I have money? Or um, will Sabbath when we have time? But I think when we Sabbath, when we take this rhythm, this, this Sabbath rest, we create space for God to make space. And since God created time and space, he is very good at redeeming time. I think many times that's why we don't tithe. We don't give offerings. We're like, I don't have very much money. That's why you need to tithe. You need to make it a priority so that when you make more money, you're not a complete wreck financially, you know, because it lends well to a budget and all kinds of other things. But I think when we Sabbath, we create space for God to make space. And when we Sabbath, we are choosing perspective over production. And so that's really what this whole time is about. Mackenzie's going to open us up by reading Genesis 2, 1 through 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, 
because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Okay, so the first one is the rhythm of God. Why did God rest on the seventh day? You know, this is like a bizarre question to ask. Why did he rest on the seventh day? The same question goes for why did Jesus get baptized? Come on. Why did he need to be baptized? Why did Jesus ask questions that he already knew the answers to? Yeah, that, that always frustrates me when I read the Gospels. He's like asking people questions. He's all-knowing. He knows everything, yet he's still asking questions. And I think it, it comes down to this: these five words, these Hebrew words that are, you know, sometimes we use Hebrew words and we're like, this is the only time this Hebrew word is used in the entire Old Testament. This is not true with these five words. These are like the most popular words in the entire Old Testament Hebrew scriptures. The first word is that God did what was called work. He worked. We were talking about this, like, of the days of creation, when he did all the things he did. Day five, you know, he created the fish and the birds. That seems unimpressive until you realize that we've only explored 5% of the ocean's contents. And we're finding new species of, of marine life every single week. You know, it's just amazing. Um, the vast creation of God. I mean, he did work. He did real, really good work. And that is this word. It's used 177 times. It just means employment. Melaka. And then we go finished. He finished the work. Kala. 208 times to come to an end. And then he shabbated. You know, he, that's not right, Alex. I'm sorry. He's dying inside listening to that. He rested on the seventh day. And this has a dual meaning, and if you haven't read The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, we went through it last summer as a campus ministry. You need to read that book. It's, it's very good, very convicting, but here's just a little snippet from it. Shabbat, the Hebrew word for Sabbath, means to stop, but it can also be translated as to delight. It has the dual idea of stopping, enjoying in God, in our lives in this world. The Sabbath is an entire day set aside to follow God's example, to stop and to delight. Then the fourth word is used is this word blessed. He, he blessed the seventh day. He blessed it. Same word that's used in, in Numbers chapter 6, verse 24. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. It's that blessing. Uh, he blessed it and he made it Holy, which is really the, the crux of our entire uh, semester study, this word holy being set apart, consecrated, kadash. And so this is the rhythm of God. He took time on purpose to stop and to delight. And so this is perfect for Martin to share his story about Nigeria. Thank you, Andrew. Hi, everyone. Um, so... <laughs> I didn't reach that form. Okay, so I, I actually grew up in the um in a Christian home. So um my mom made sure that all my siblings go to church. As a matter of fact, um when it's time for church, you don't you don't have a say. I mean you can bring your kids forward, but um <laughs> the bottom line is that you go to church. So um that was like I mean, I don't know if you've, you've, heard, of, you've heard about some African mothers, but they are very strict, and <laughs> their word is fine now. Like, whatever they say, that's, that's, that, I mean, that's what holds true. 
it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what you think about it they always have that say so that's like the kind of setting i grew up in always going to church we go to church like thrice in a week so um yeah so at some point in my life um when i got um, a little bit older so um i gave my life to christ um then I, I i became a child of god i was seeking god for me not necessarily because okay my parents um wanted me to go to church so um that was how i that was like my journey to knowing god and to being a christian uh yeah um i really enjoyed i really enjoyed the process of like being a christian okay i was always like busy because i was really committed you know um to my local church um yeah so you know i prayed you know i read my bible go to church i was also like one of the like um um like a leader we have like a student leader in church then so i was like one of them so that's why i started then when i got to um um college that's my country so um i also continued i was very faithful um sometimes i don't even used to go home i used to like stay in school after during the break preaching the word of god with you know my other um, friends that are also like like-minded and things like that if i go to a point my parents give up on me like in terms of coming home even on even um, during like um christmas times I don't really go home. I just like stay on campus. So my life was like really, really dedicated to to God, to preaching the gospel and doing stuff like that. And so, and that was really good. It was it was an amazing moment for me. So when I finished um, uh, my university, um, um, when I finished my university, so my country there is what we call National Youth Service Corps. So I'm by the way I'm from Nigeria. So my country is what called national service youth course so it's basically when you're done with the university you have to like serve your government for like a year so the government you, the government gets to post you to other states just like you have like california um new york you know um illinois and you know other states like that so in my country you have like different states so we have like 36 of them so the government gets to like post you to like different places you know to serve so in my mind i'm like I've spent, you know, like four years doing doing the work of God and serving. So I want to like just have this break to do, you know, like just do my own stuff, do me, you know. And <coughs> I had I, I have like a business degree, so I wanted to like go into like business consulting and this like that. Though I was actually interning um while I was waiting for 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 service. So then um when I got to um I was put to another state. So when I got there, um, so there is this um, um, like student ministry you know, that was there. So I just like attended once or twice, and then um, the leaders of the campus uh, campus ministry I had the opportunity to like interact with them. We just like talking. One of the leader, we just like talking about psychology because um, I was really interested in psychology back then in school. I used to like you know read psychology and stuff like that. So we we're just like talking random talk and then eventually they kind of talked to me if i wanted to like like be one of the leaders in the students um group because they they are they're almost done with service so it's just like every year new new graduates come in take over you know the helm of leadership and then you stay for like a year plus you know few few months and then you hand over to other the new ones that are coming so it's just like 
just like a process like this that was continuing. So, and then, <laughs> I'm, I'm a Christian, so, I mean, I, I wouldn't want to say no to God. And then, so, and that was how I became, like, one of the, one of the leaders um, in the campus, I mean, I mean in, the, in the youth ministry. It was, like, I, it was supposed to be, I was supposed to be like spend, like, one year there. I ended, up, I ended up spending, like, one year, six months there. So, I was, like, you know, doing the work of God, you know, I was full-time, I was really, really in it, and it was really, really good, it was like one of the best moments of my life, and so because, moment like, there were like, a lot, lot of impacts that, that was made, you know, during those times. Then, um, fast forward to when I was done, and then I was about to like, you know, go, go face the real world. <laughs> it was funny, so, um, I kind of, I kind of, you know, prayed about. Say, Lord, you see, I've served you. I've se- like, I've spent time, you know, doing the work of God. I didn't really have time for myself and things like that. And then, back then, when we were in university, um, we used to pray for like where we are going to stay. In my country, we're super. I wouldn't say I don't want to say religious, but we're super spiritual. Like. I mean, in most churches, in my so we always like want to know the mind of God regarding like where we want to live, want to know the mind of God regarding like who we want to marry, and so it's always like you want to know the will of God concerning your life and things like that. So, um, so I was praying about it. So I already had like a piece I was going to stay. So, um, after my after the youth service, I went there. I went to another state. I didn't even know anybody there per se, so I just like obeyed and left. So when I went to the States, it was like the capital state. I don't know if any of you have heard of Abuja. So um, I went to the state and and then um, it was more like I was struggling, struggling to get a job, struggling to get a good job. You know, I was just like trying to figure out my life, trying to, fig- trying to figure out, okay, what is it I'm supposed to do in this state and so my comfort zone is Lagos. That was where I grew up. That was where I was. That was where I was born, and I know a lot of people there. Um, but here I am in Abuja. I don't really know people there, and then I'm struggling to, you know, to get a job. And it happened. It it went on for like six months, and then I go a bit. I go a bit worried, and um, you know, I was just like struggling trying to get a job trying to get a good job i had a job but it was like it was not like a very good job preparation of my of my degree and so my parents were even saying i should come home but i'm like oh no i want to be here um so that continues and w- one of the things that was happening was that i began to like l- lose my faith in god um because i got depressed at some points and then um I was no longer serious with God. In fact, it got to the point that I was like like a shadow of myself, like in terms of my spiritual work. I used to be very, very zealous, very, very zealous for God, doing the work of God and so on, praying. So I just kind of like stopped all that. And going to church was like a big deal for me. I just go to church whenever I feel like. And when I was depressed, so of course, one thing about depression is that you always like look for something to fill in that gap. Like you always look for maybe um, you always you know look for that particular thing that you just like indulge yourself in, you know, to kind of like you know um, 
um to kind of you just like a go to you know to you know to help so i began to like indulge myself in different things sex partying and things like that but i couldn't fit in because people see that i was not fitting in you know um i couldn't fit into that lifestyle that was not me even though I, I tried, like people tell me, like you, you're a Christian, right? You know that kind of thing. Like it just remind me. Um, so that continued for a while, and then um, it day came. So so I had a friend that I knew in school. So she was in town. She was um, um, she was in in the in, in the city where I lived, and then um, she asked me to come to come over. So we, you know, to just catch catch up. So we're very good friends back and so I ended up spending like spending like the whole day in our you know in our place and stayed over. And when I was going home that morning, um I just saw where they were, you know, it was on, on a, I went on a fr on a Saturday and I was going home on Sunday. Sunday morning. So I saw a church where they were just praying and things they were like singing. I just decided to just join. So when I got there Something happened. I kind of feel I kind of felt at home and kind of feel like oh I should be here. And then after the service, I really I was really blessed. Um, in fact, I remember an usher told me that you know God want me to be here. It was just like that. Like I didn't know the usher. I've never met the usher before. You know, she just told me that God wanted me to be here. Hmm. Okay. So I started attending. And then when I was attending, I began to like meet a, a lot of people. We used to have like this fellowship, you know, on Fridays where, okay, you go to fellowship at homes and things like that. So those moments kind of like helped me, you know, um, began to like build my faith, began to like build my faith back. Um, and so this time I used to be like have this panic attack because I'm always like worried about what the future holds, you know, where I was and oh okay, I had plans, I, I wanted to do this and so um I'm I'm like where I am now is like a joke of where I wanted to be. So so all those plan all those, you know, thoughts used to creep in and so but when I began to, you know, be open again to you know, to to going to church and fellowshipping with other believers, they like kind of encouraged me um, in the Lord. So I kind of like, you know, began to grow and grow. And in those times, one of the profound things that, that God taught me um, is the fact that, you know, um, he's with me all the way. And one of the things I learned was rest. You know, um, as simple as that was sound, sound it's like one of the hardest things to do um, because we're always like in this, you know, um, fast-paced world where, you know, a lot of things we have planned, we have things that we want to do, you know, and things like that. And sometimes, you know, it's really hard to just take a pause and just, you know, trust in God and, you know, pray about, you know, pray about it, pray about our worries and pray about the things that bother us. And so to those times, I actually learned, you know, how to trust in God, how to, you know, just place all my worries, you know, you know, on God and so. And when I, when I began to do that, I began to, f you know, find joy again in God, find joy again, you know, 
you know, um, in fellowshipping, you know, in praying, and also sharing my faith with, with other people. And over time, um, um, it was even one of the one of the one of the friends that I made in church. Um, he, he was a manager at um, PwC PricewaterhouseCoopers. Um, so, so I kind of like, you know, he kind of like asked me, say, um, um, are you enjoying your job? What you're doing now? And I and I said, oh well, to an extent, but but of course I wanted like a better job, and so because PwC um, is like a multinational firm. And and then he said, you know what? Send me your CV. And and I sent see my CV and then um, kind of like talked to the HR and then they invited me for an interview. Was there so it was more like we just like we just had like a conversation. It was it was really good, and I <coughs> and I um, kind of like got the job, and then um, that was what I was doing before. You know, I came to United States, um, but the bottom line or the focal point of my story was that you know. Um, you know, when I began to be open again to knowing God and things like that, the things that I wanted and the miracles that, you know, I wanted God to do in my life, you know, and the things that, you know, you know, that was fretting about or fretting over, you know, um, they all give me because, you know, at the end, I'm um, actually, you know, um, got to the place that I wanted to be, you know, career-wide before coming to the United States. Yeah, thank you. <clears throat> All right, so Martins is going to read our next uh, section talking about the rhythm of you. If you didn't catch that, he's getting back into the rhythm of going to church. So for him, we we're talking about Sabbath. He kept talking about going to church, going to church. And I think it's just so healthy for us to hear that as Christians. So go ahead and read this uh, verses 8 through 11 of Exodus 20. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth. Oh no. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Yes, sir. So the reasoning for us to go uh, should go like this. I observe that God rested on the seventh day of creation to stop and to enjoy. Therefore, I too should rest. For the Israelites, this wasn't an optional activity, and I love that you said that about your mom, and I, uh, my mom's the same way. It, was an, I, it wasn't an optional thing for me to go to church, even with all my excuses. Um, but this isn't going to be easy, but I think a lot of times what we want to do with a commandment, especially one of the big Ten Commandments, Especially one that like, you know, I'm a Christian now. I don't have to live by the Ten Commandments. I don't have to do all these things. Do I have to Sabbath? Do I have to? And I think a lot of times we view God's commandments this way. And of course, we're not uh, under the old covenant anymore. We're in the new covenant. But God's commandments for us 
are protective, you know. So a lot of times we say, how close can I get to the sin before I sin, instead of saying, how far can I get away from it? You know, the Israelites had 613 commandments that God gave them, and he broke them down into these 10 commandments as the baseline, and Sabbath keeping is number four after no other gods, no idols, and no taking the name of Yahweh in vain. If you don't believe some Sabbath is something that you should do, um, you'll just never consistently do it. You may just say, like, admire it and say, yeah, that would be great if I had time to really stop and enjoy my life and for God to give me, like we talked at the beginning, to give me that perspective. I just don't have time. And I, I love Mackenzie's story because she's going to show us exactly what that looks like and how Sabbath, God has created it to help us in our lives. So when Andrew and I were first preparing for tonight, uh, we talked about what the Sabbath meant to us. And Andrew told us that on Sundays he would go to church in the morning with his family and then go out to lunch so with his family. So that day was devoted to worship and family and ultimately rest. Um, however, I'm on the production team at my church, which I love doing, but my Sundays normally consist of waking up at 6.30, driving 40 minutes to church, spending five hours there, driving back to campus and studying for another four to five hours. So Sundays aren't really a Sabbath for me. Instead, I take my Sabbath throughout the week. And I do this for a few reasons. Uh, one, as college students, I know it's really hard to devote a full 24 hours to rest. We're really busy bouncing from one thing to the next. But my second reason is because a while back, I found out I had a motor tick. And for those of you who don't know what a motor tick is, Google defines it as this. Ticks are sudden twitches, movements, or sounds that people do repeatedly. People who have ticks cannot stop their body from doing these things. For example, a person with a motor tick might keep blinking over and over, or a person with a vocal tick might make grunting sounds unwillingly. And fortunately, I don't have a verbal tick, but I will flare my nose or twitch my eyes. And this gets worse under anxiety, stress, or lack of sleep. I'm also an introvert, so I need a lot more time to myself to recharge. Um, most people don't notice it, but I will subconsciously fight it throughout the day. And this eventually wears me out uh, to the point where I get extremely agitated, emotional, or short with my family. Uh, I then realized that I should have taken some Sabbath time way before I got to that point. Um, but I do manage this by getting rest and getting a full eight hours of sleep. So when I tell people I go to bed at eight, I'm not actually going to sleep. Uh, instead, I'm taking intentional time out of my day or taking part of my Sabbath. Uh, so my Sabbath ends up being a few hours every night. And this time can consist of watching mindless TV, reading my Bible, or listening to worship music. Uh, this allows me to relax, get a good night's sleep, and recharge for the next day. Uh, like I mentioned before, I'm an extreme introvert. Uh, but I have learned how to be an extrovert in certain situations, like leading, taking charge of group projects, or running meetings at work. Um, but being in front of people is something that I've had to learn to do and work really hard at. Um, even though I've gotten better over the years, it is still something that does not come natural to me. Um, but I believe the Sabbath can look different for each person. Um, maybe you are able to take a full day to rest, uh, or maybe you're more of an extrovert and being around people recharges you. 
This could be uh, exercising, fellowship with other Christians, or maybe debriefing your day with a family member or friend. Uh, but for me, I really need that alone time to recharge. And this past semester, I've really learned the importance of this time. Uh, last year, I found out I have really bad anxiety. Um, and this came out of one of the hardest semesters I had class-wise. Uh, my classwork was creeping into my resting time, so I wasn't able to recharge. So instead of resting, my brain just keeps running, reminding me of all the things I need to do, the assignments that are due, the tests that are coming up, reminding me if I really have time to rest or if I should be working on these assignments. Um, but anxiety is now something that I get to deal with, and I'm learning how to manage. It has gotten a lot better, and I've learned to rely on the Lord for both guidance and direction through prayer and time in the Word. Uh, even over break, once finals were over, I set aside a few days where I had nothing planned. Uh, this was intentional time to recharge. Um, so this is kind of what taking the Sabbath time looks like for me, and I encourage you all to think about what taking the Sabbath time means for you. So this kind of leads us into our next passage, which is Deuteronomy 5, 13 through 15, which states, Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither of you, nor your son, your daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest, as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the seventh day. Thank you so much. So we got the rhythm of God. We know that God rested on the seventh day. We know the rhythm of us. This is the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Now, this is kind of strange. We get a retelling of the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy chapter 5. You get a different little viewpoint. And Eugene Peterson's quote is so good. It's in your small group material. You go through this as well. The two biblical reasons for Sabbath keeping develop into parallel Sabbath activities of praying and playing. I like that you said that. Because I... I think that's so good. I think sometimes we, we feel guilty about taking time just to stop. Why do I feel guilty about stopping and enjoying when God, who didn't need to stop nor enjoy, did both, right? Sorry. But uh, developing the parables uh, activities of praying and playing, the Exodus reason directs us to the contemplation of God, which becomes prayer. The Deuteronomy reason directs us to social leisure, which becomes play. The big thing for me in this passage was in your household. And so you would think that once you become an upper executive in your home, you're in charge, you're a, you're a patriarch, you're a man, you're in charge of your house, and you send everybody else to do all the work, and then you get to take a Sabbath. But then you get to task out all the other work because stuff has to get done. How many times have you heard someone say that? Stuff just has to get done. I can't just not do this stuff. I, I, things have to get done. And we've all thought that and heard people say that. But in this instance, this is not an opportunity for you to rest in order to task out the work. This goes for everyone in your home. Did you catch that? Even the donkeys, even the animals are given a rest. Because you can't run them every day, all day, every day all day. And so this goes for everyone in your home. 
And I was trying to think of the equivalent of what that would be for you guys as college students. Unless you do have a donkey. I'm, Derek may have one at the house. I'm not sure. It's a, it's a big flat screen TV I heard about. But uh, anyway, I think it might be your computer. I think it might be your computer. I think it might be your car. I think it might be some of your technology. I think it might be your, your phone. Give that thing a rest. Turn that thing off. Um, I think that that is so healthy for us. And, and the times that I've done it has just been transformative. Um, and so why, why do we have to do this thing together? Like, like Mackenzie said, I'm kind of like her. I, I want to retreat. I don't want to spend it with other people. But thing I, Mackenzie's kind of a, uh, not, she's not a liar, but she didn't really give on that she's a life group leader. So she takes time out of every week to prepare and to lead her life group, which is way out of her comfort zone. It doesn't feel like Sabbath, but it is. It's stopping intentionally. So I think, how does Sabbath look for a college student? I think it could look like a lot of different things. For some of you, coming tonight was your Sabbath. You're like, I don't have time for this, but I came anyway. Some of you, it's going to be going to your life group. Some of you, it's going to be having that time just to break and go for a drive with Jesus. I, I really think that we just have to be intentional. But the reason we do it together, Moses records that this was due for them because they were slaves. They, at this point, they had no choice. They had to work and work and work and work and work. And then Moses stepped in and he made it worse, remember? Because he, you know, now you're going to have to do it without getting the, you have to get your own straw. You know, they're just working and working and again and again. And so they didn't even know what day it was. And I don't know if you've worked so much to where you're like, I don't know the difference between a Tuesday and a Sunday. And we're, we're in a culture now where there is no day that is holy. There's no day that's sacred. Every day just kind of smushes into the next day. And it's just this constant and so many times we think of Sabbath as this isolated activity, but for the Jewish people, it was always done together. Now, I'm not saying you always have to do Sabbath together, but all I'm saying is that in, Jew in the Jewish culture, the way that this started, it was not done in isolation. It was always done together. All the eating, they do all the preparation before, the day before, and then enjoy all the food the day of. They would sing they would recite scripture. They would enjoy. God gave them that perspective. So, application. Number one, God stopped and delighted. So, since he stopped and delighted, then that means that he is extending the invitation that we are invited. And that this just isn't just for us uh, individually. This is for us as a body. So, is it even possible for a college student to Sabbath? So let's say Lindsay goes up to her employer at Kroger and she says, I'm taking a Sabbath. I'm not coming into work tomorrow, you know. Maybe not. That's not the, I would like to see that, though. Challenge extended. Um, for religious reasons. Um, but, you know, being intentional, laying out your week. Where are my times of rest where I can rest and enjoy? Stop and enjoy. Stop and enjoy where am I stopping and enjoying or am I just working working can't enjoy it because I'm working too much and this is we got to figure this out in college you do so that later on in your life you're not a mess otherwise you're going to get into a job that you really really like and you're going to be like me 
You're just going to be like putting all this time into it, and then eventually you're going to hate it. And you're not going to like the life that you created for yourself because it's been all about the work and not about the actually enjoying it, allowing God to give you that perspective. So check this out. This is from Exodus chapter 31, verses 15 through 17, and it is a bizarre passage. It is a sign, the Sabbath is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made the heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested. And this time Moses adds more, and was refreshed. That's also bizarre. Why does God need to be refreshed? And what does that even mean? I remember reading that for the first time, and I just wondered what in the what was going on? This is a very uncommon word in the Bible, in the Hebrew Bible. Nipash, and it only appears three times. And only two of the times it appears does it deal with the Sabbath. And the other refers to the animals and the workers again. They need to refresh. God didn't need to refresh himself. Uh, Walter Brueggemann says that a better way to translate refresh there is reselfed. It's how he maintains his identity of being an all-powerful, all-happy, all-joyful, all-loving God. Think about that for a second. He doesn't need to, but he does it just because that's part of who God is. He's not just going to keep creating, keep creating, and never enjoy it. And I think we've got to really take that in. So this semester is going to be really challenging because we often say, is it a big deal? I'm going to invite the worship team back up. We're going to do one more song, if that's okay. Is it, is it a big deal that I Sabbath? I mean, what's the big deal if I just work, 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 school, 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 work, 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 school, school, school? What's the big deal if I don't take time to rest and to recover and enjoy? And we could do that with anything. What's the big deal if I uh, sleep with my girlfriend or boyfriend before we get married? What's the big deal if I cheat on this assignment? What's the big deal if I go 20 over the speed limit? And we, we do all this stuff with all kinds of different things uh, in our lives. What's the big deal? I don't understand what the big deal is. I mean, Jesus died on the cross for my sins. He has paid the penalty for all the things that I've done wrong. What's the big deal if I mess up from time to time? You're missing the point of what it means to be set apart. He sets you apart. He doesn't give you a command because he wants to have a power trip. He's all-powerful. He doesn't need a power trip. He's giving you these commands because he's trying to help us live the best life possible in a very difficult, broken, and fallen world. That's why God gives you commandments. He's not trying to make you miserable. He's not trying to make your life more difficult. He's trying to make a, a, a harder life better. Okay, And before Jesus returns, this is what God is trying to do. He's trying to give us a taste of what heaven's going to be like. when we. And, and Martin's brought this up in Hebrews chapter 4. Uh, the writer of Hebrews talks about this Sabbath rest that we're looking forward to. Right now, what we're doing is we're rehearsing for eternity. So when we sing songs, we're not just singing songs. We're practicing. When we Sabbath and we stop and enjoy... We're practicing for eternity, and I just want us to keep that in mind. Let's stand together as we sing this last song. It's perfect as we close out tonight.